0: podcast to encourage and inspire. I'm your host, Jamie Johnson, a clinical social worker working in the field of mental health for the last 10 plus years. I believe this podcast is God-inspired and will be God-led, and I thank you for joining me as we continue to peel back the layers of mental health from a faith perspective. Um, don't forget to connect with me, social media pages, instagram faith love and therapy podcast that's on instagram faith love and therapy podcast then on youtube you can find us at faith love and therapy on youtube if you want to send me an email it's faith love therapy at gmail.com i hope to connect and hear from you soon um, thanks again to inner circle who is an amazing agency, um, here in Hampton, Virginia, where I work, but also where they allow me to record these podcasts. So I'm just very grateful for the inner circle family, um, and love you all. So, well, welcome back. And I hope that these last episodes have been helpful. Um, I, I hope that you're really tracking your lifeline along with me and, I want you to, you know, be sure that you've listened to the last two episodes and you've answered the questions because we've really been digging a bit. Um, and I want to bring some things together for you. You know, we've, we've been digging. We've been going back in our life and really trying to assess um, what we've experienced and how we have been impacted. So I, I want to take I want you to take a moment and identify um something for me I want you I want you to really identify when you were introduced to Jesus like when you had your first acknowledgement or experience that you can recall of knowing that you know hearing the name Jesus but then knowing um what that name meant who that is so think back um think back was Jesus kind of a routine part of your life from early on did your parents find Jesus after, you know, years of kind of living their best life? Have you had little information other than that there is a God and you need to read your Bible? Um, what was your experience? This is important because much like the questions asked in previous episodes, exploring this area allows you to understand how you view God. So now I'm asking, now what what I'm asking you to do is to explore your past And look for Jesus in it. So take one of your, we'll we'll start with the memories, which was the first question that um, I gave. What were the memories that you have? So take one of your memories from your lifeline. Good, bad, doesn't really matter. And sense, and then I really want you to sense, like imagine Christ in your story. So I shared two episodes back, my memory of my brother falling and hitting his chin. As I was preparing for this episode, I could see Christ protecting my brother from a head injury. I did not mention that my brother was not wearing a helmet. He fell at full speed and could have cracked his skull. He only had four stitches in his chin. Although I have moments of concern for him, I go to God in prayer because he truly kept my brother. He protected him that day. Although our mind, Um, The enemy, our fears, want us to sink into a dark place of fear. When our faith comes forth, we can visualize Christ present in those moments. I invite you, even right now, to literally close your eyes and see Christ in your past as a loving protector, as the loving protector that he is. Sometimes we struggle to see God in moments um, and feel neglected or unloved. You know, one of your memories may include abuse or neglect. Many, you know, many may believe or ask, where was God in that moment? I encourage a very transparent conversation with God. I really encourage you to take that particular or those particular experiences to God in a conversation or a prayer um, and be willing to believe that he was not consenting to your abuse. Willing to believe um, that he did weep for you in those moments. So let him speak to you and heal that particular memory or those memories. Healing does not mean ignoring. It doesn't, he- it doesn't mean you're, you're, you know, blaming yourself. But I want you to visualize Jesus coming into your room and expressing the godly love that heals. Those memories, I want you to connect those memories to your experience with the Father. I want you to see him in your life, in every period that we have broken down um, in previous episodes. So with the second question of what did you think of yourself? So our identity is, is major when it comes to how we believe and who we become. So Jesus is found speaking life into so many, you know, sending angels to minister to those who are running from their assignment, um, even changing the names to reflect the change in who a person was and now who they've become in Christ. One of the major strategies of the enemy is to interject doubt and cause us to lose sight of who God says we are. I think of the moment in the Bible when John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus When Jesus came up from the river Jordan, the heavens were torn open and the spirit like a dove descended on Jesus. Then it says, a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased and delighted. That moment is big for me when I read it. It feels like God stamping Jesus with a confirmed identity. When we accept Christ as our savior and father, the same thing happens we become his daughter or his son. So the, f- the following verse, we see Jesus taking um, the following verses in that chapter. And you can find the story of his baptism in the Gospels. I was specifically reading in Mark. But shortly after um, that moment in the Bible, we find that Christ um, or Jesus was taken straight into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. If we look back through our lifeline and find the wilderness moments, the distracted, the tempted moments, um, things that tempted us from remembering our identity by changing how we see ourselves, did we hide in those moments? Did we deny our truest self in those moments or walk in the direction of what others said we were rather than who God says we are? Many of us engage in distorted thinking, which is not truth. It is literally false thinking that changes our perspective and disarms a central part of our armor. When we think of Ephesians six, when we talk about the armor of God, and I believe it truly dis, it, it in a way disarms the belt of truth that is talked about. Um, our armor is a protection from those fiery darts of the enemy. It's protection from the, the attempts of the enemy to get us off track and have us Um, thinking things that are not God-like distorted thoughts that leave us vulnerable to attack and even keep us bound to lies. So I would encourage you with this second question to find your identity in the word of God. Many scriptures express how God sees us and how he desires us to see ourselves. He is not looking for you to meet any special criteria or a level of, of achievement. He is really asking that we believe and trust in him. So with that second question, look for your identity in the word of God. That third question about pain, that one was a little harder. That one requires us to um, really be honest and really sit with, let me get some water, really sit with, Things that are not so comfortable, things that probably made us cry, things that might have made us angry, Um, things that we told ourselves that we don't need to remember or don't, it didn't even happen for some of us. We we have, excuse me, we're choosing to forget because there's safety for us in forgetting those moments. There's comfort for us in, in forgetting those moments. So what I will say about pain is that this is, this is a big one. And it's an area that I, I urge many to seek counseling for. I haven't said that in the other questions, not that they're not equally important, but I do think having someone that is trained to walk you through some of these um, traumatic moments or some of these painful moments is beneficial. So, and I, you know, I say that because Um, when we recall some of these memories, we may have an emotional and a physical response. Especially if you've experienced some type of trauma. Specifically, I'll start with, you know, sexual trauma. There are times when we begin, individuals who have experienced sexual trauma begin to recall their trauma or traumatic moments or sexual abuse and will physically feel as though they are being violated again. They will relive abuse, and that doesn't even require them to sit and do this lifeline. Sometimes they have those moments, um, and it's uncontrollable, and those are definitely things or experiences that um, are difficult to navigate without professional assistance. So I really encourage you to really look at your pain story and identify the importance of possibly seeking counseling to, to move through this particular stage. Um, So allow yourself time to feel, but I wouldn't say allow yourself to sit without engaging in some type of stress management or relaxation strategies or self care with this particular question um, as you're exploring and going deeper in this process So this area really impacts us unconsciously and consciously. We develop defense mechanisms, distrust, anger issues, trauma responses that all need to be identified and addressed. The Lord is completely aware of our pain and how it has altered who we are. But when we read in Revelation, you know, chapter three, verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens the door, I will come into him and dine or sup with him. And he with me. I like thinking of this verse in this moment of pain. um, And maybe others wouldn't choose this. But I, I like this particular verse, because it feels like the Lord is waiting for us to invite him into our lives and to sit with us. um, And we sit with him. And what typically happens when you sit with people that you love, you sit you go out to dinner with, or you have a dinner at home with, you know, you, you talk about things that are important. You typically, um, feel loved. You're fed, which is, uh, important. You're enlightened. Um, so he, in those moments, I visualize that he not, not that he just wants to listen but he also wants to enlighten us he wants to feed us he wants to nurture us in those moments and so pain is something where the healing process isn't just I need to talk about it but I need to receive something in return to help remove or replace mend heal that particular those particular situations so I like using this particular scripture and imagining As you are reviewing your pain, imagining the father knocking on the door and asking you to invite him in in this moment so that you're not just processing this by yourself, laying across your bed or sitting in your room alone trying to process this in tears, but that he's wanting to come in and he's wanting to sit with you and he wants you to ask him the questions about his pain. He wants you to bring that pain to the table and you all have a discussion, you all have an intimate discussion because he desires a level of intimacy. And what we don't recognize or pay attention sometimes with pain that is unhealed or unchecked or or unspoken is that we haven't provided an open door for Christ to come in and help us to heal it. And so if the door is locked, if the door, if we've, we've put up an access denied sign, how can we really heal or move beyond this particular issue or these particular situations? We can't. And so we continue to show up defensive and we continue to show up fearful and we continue to show up angry. And we continue to show up in ways that are not authentically us because we've closed the door on something that Christ really wants access to so that he can sit with you and that he can guide you through this particular process. You know, um, at that, you know, dinner table, he wants to feed us. He wants to love and care for us. And if we don't see God as a loving, caring, beautiful father, it's going to be hard for us to open the door for him. But he is knocking and he desires to sit with you. He desires to sit with your pain. And when you don't open the door, we start to hear everything else. Everything else seems louder than that particular knock, knock, but it requires our heart to turn in his direction. Our heart... Turning in his direction is like turning our heart to that door and he, we no longer prioritize the pain, but we then prioritize the conversation or the moment to spend with God and sit with him and process. Um, and you can do that with the support of a therapist. So I, I think Christ, um, the father enters lots of my sessions. And I know that he enters lots of my sessions, and I desire him to be in there. Um, So you can do this with the support of a therapist. Um, Develop a plan with a therapist so that you can begin addressing the residue from your past because it is leaving a mark that God did not place there. So this is a big one. Really address, really address the pain issue. Then lastly, the fourth question. The things that make you happy. So I believe when we're thinking about our life and the periods that we've experienced and the experiences that we had, I should say, I believe what has brought us joy or what brings us joy, if it's healthy and not like an unhealthy coping mechanism, uh, cause you know, sometimes we'll tell ourselves that, uh, drinking makes me happy. Okay. Um, but <laughs> that's not a healthy healthy coping mechanism. Um, but the things that are healthy also bring brings God joy. So he draws us to those things that are good so that we can think on those things. The Bible asks us to think or to, reminds us to think on the good things. The Father knows um, that a life of complete pain and chaos with no peace, no love, no joy is not worth living. How many of us would choose to live a day? where we don't experience any good news, but we know with the father, there's there's always good news. So God desires for his children to experience good things. How else will we share the good news? When we start to see Jesus for who he is, when we look at the character of Christ and the promises for his children, he is loving and he desires us to know what joy feels like. Happiness, that particular word you know we kind of play with that happiness is is subjective and not necessarily a promise of god i want us to be clear on that he never promised that his he is focused on making us happy that's not something he he's ever said um but joy can be found in him so can you see god blessing in the in these moments that we've reviewed can you see god blessing you in the moments of your past or do you attach them to your own achievements or maybe other people in your life evaluating um evaluating who you are what and what we praise or what we find joy is is important our world can be extremely selfish um and that whole self-made mentality it, it does not consider our creator I'm not saying the things that we achieve are not important, but understanding why and how we've achieved them is more important and giving the creator credit for being the reason we're able to be and do the things that we do. Um, But I want us to think about it. Have we become so focused on being happy, being successful that the simple things that we could take delight in before many years ago no longer make us smile? Do we know what pleases God? And are we pleased by those things as well? Our happiness in our early years, you know, when we were when we were kids, we could think of like family time was fun, was good, playtime for some of us. I know some of us have had traumatic experiences, but you know, being smiled at, receiving cuddles that were, were genuine and loving and not not abusive or violent or violating us. Those things made us smile. There were simple moments, whether it was our favorite doll or our favorite action figure or going to the pool or seeing our favorite cousin. Those things made us happy and they were very simple and we were satisfied. We were satisfied with spending time and we were satisfied with that bit of attention and we were satisfied with those experiences. But it seems like over the years we've kind of upped the ante and happiness is attracted to or attached I should say to things like achievement and earning you know what we earn how much we make you know I know those things have changed because our age has changed we've gotten older our priorities are different there are different responsibilities that we have and so it shifted our perspective of happiness and joy but when we deviate from the things of God we often begin to search for fulfillment in what we achieve and what we possess so I'm, I'm wanting you to search yourself. I'm wanting you to ask these questions and I'm wanting you to pull out the truth because I want you to on the on paper see who you authentically are because of the experiences, because of the what has shaped you throughout the course of your lifeline. Being able to see it in black and white gives you an idea, gives you an understanding deeper than just... I have these qualities or I had these moments in life, but this is who I've become because of that. But it also empowers you to challenge the things that you recognize are not authentically you that are not what God had planned or intended for you. He puts in his word, who his children are and the characteristics of his children. So understanding who we are in him allows us to understand who he is And he wants us to know who we are because of that. So wrapping up this particular topic of faith and mental health, where faith and mental health collide, remembering that they collide in our thoughts. That is where faith and mental health collide. How we think is where it collides. And it's necessary to capture every vain imagination. It's necessary to focus on every thought. It's necessary to get an understanding of our experiences It's necessary to renew our mind. And so I'm hoping that this particular strategy has been beneficial for you. Share it with your family. Share it with friends. You know, sit with what you've experienced and allow God to tell you the rest of the story. So I thank you for joining me on another episode of Faith, Love, and Therapy. I will see you next time.